everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Colin. My name is Tierney. My name is Matt. <laughs> I didn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it has to be a more exaggerated version of whatever the, the rhythm is. It has to. That's my, it has to be. That's my, it has <laughs> it to must. be. must. According to our bylaws, it has to be. We do have some pretty strict bylaws that we always follow. Yeah, it's a little, like, too strict sometimes where I'm like, we got to have some fun, you know? <laughs> we, like, never have fun when we do this. <laughs> well, what I think this, this one's definitely going to be one of our more fun episodes, if I, <laughs> if I have to guess, based solely upon the movie selection. So. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, so this was my pick, uh, and, and we're going to talk about First Reformed, uh, which came out in 2018 and is... Good year. It was a really good year for movies. Were you just saying good year in general or good year for movies? Or both? Kind of both. Yeah. I mean, 2018 was the year that we broke up, so I don't know if it was like... Yeah, great year. That was like <laughs> oh, the, the best, best fucking year. the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, it was like, holy shit, what a year. But also, it was the first year of our festival, so actually it was a good year. Yeah. Blimp. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so I saw this movie... As you know, again, my my obs- like obscene criteria for what I picked this time around. Um, this movie premiered at the Venice Film Festival in 2017, but it did not actually open in, in America until 2018. Um, uh, and it only made 3.45 million dollars. So um, I actually acc- I accidentally fucked up. One of my category or one of my rules was that it couldn't be nominated for an oscar but this one was so oopsie on that <gasps> one i didn't notice that until after i had already picked it and we started watching it so was it best original song yes <laughs> <laughs> uh i will say I, <laughs> I finished watching the movie earlier tonight which you know we can talk about if we want to um but uh i took a quick shower before we started recording and the song that is pl- that the woman is singing at the end, leaning, <laughs> just like stuck in my head while I was yep. in the shower. <laughs> was like, it happened to me when I watched this as well. <laughs> I was like, I could have gone without that. Put something else on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad that we're uh, we're gonna be recording. So you know, I have something to take take my mind off of that song. Can both of you sing it together? Uh, like it, a choir? it left my mind. It has since I, left. I don't even remember what it is. I just remember being like, damn, I have a fucking church song stuck in my head. <laughs> well, and I, like, it's not a church song that I was familiar with. Like, I don't I, think I, I was either. I don't. I wasn't. Either. Yeah. So it's not even something, like, it's something that I have only ever heard in this movie. But, so yeah, if, if it were something I was familiar yeah. with, I could probably bring it back. But it's it's mostly gone now. And I'm not going to sing yeah. it, so... It's kind of weird that you didn't know it, though, because you're such a big church boy, and everybody knows <laughs> I it. I am a big church boy. Um, so, yeah, the reason I picked this movie is... Because uh, he's I, such a church boy. I am the biggest church yeah. boy. Anybody who knows like, me priest? knows... Yes, please. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I am a very big church boy. I go to church every Sunday, and sometimes I even go on other days of the week. Um, you're so devout. It's beautiful. Yeah, and that that's me. The end. <laughs> no, I saw this movie uh, in theaters, and I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, I knew that I saw it in theaters, 
but I, I was trying to remember there was like a very specific like anecdote from when I saw this movie and I couldn't quite remember what it was. And I, I was I, Jack, our friend Jack was involved, but I was like, I don't think he saw the movie with me, but I think I was just telling him about it. And so I was like trying to rack my brain and it finally came to me so I can share it with you guys. Um, so I saw this movie at the landmark up on Clark. Um, so I just went after work one day and it was like a mostly empty theater. It was me. And I think maybe like at most five other people, but there was this older woman who, so like I went by myself and this older woman had also gone by herself and she, for whatever reason, decided that she was going to sit like two seats away from me in this like <laughs> giant theater. And so like the, the trailers are playing and like, I've seen all of these trailers countless times. So I'm just like fucking around on my phone and like the house lights haven't even gone down yet. It's literally just trailers. And she leans over and she's like, are you going to put your phone away? <laughs> I was like, okay, bitch. Like, I will put my phone away when the movie starts. <laughs> but I was like, I, I am under no obligation to put my phone away right now. <laughs> so I was like. I once really got pissed. yelled at for fucking around during the previews with my brother. We were just making fun of every movie that came on. <laughs> wow. I mean, okay, I was like 22 and he would have been math, 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 14. So like, not the most mature people, <laughs> but we were just like giggling, being like, <laughs> and the woman in front of me turned around and goes, excuse me, are you going to talk like that the whole movie? And I just went, it's the previews. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's the thing that like but then i was also the scared of her because <laughs> <laughs> like i i mean you guys know me you've seen like i when the movie is playing like i don't talk to people like i complained about people eating popcorn too loudly like the, when the movie is playing i am like very strict about like giving our attention to the gigantic screen but yeah it's the fucking trailers calm down Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm this Colin's movie favorite happened. person I, wait. to sit next to in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? Wait, can I, can I share also a previews uh, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. story? Only because we're never going to do A Quiet Place. Uh, I can't imagine we would. But when I saw A Quiet Place in theaters, I, I went alone. And there were a bunch of high school and college kids just chatting away during the previews. And I didn't say it out loud. But in my mind and heart, I was like, they better shut the fuck up. This movie is going to be quiet as hell. And if they're going to be chit-chatting the whole time, I'm going to lose my shit. So they were all chit-chatting and laughing through the whole trailers. And then the movie started, and everyone got quiet. And I was like, okay, good. Because we're not going to deal with all these chatters. And then in, within the first five minutes of the movie... When the little boy drops the spaceship and it, like, could make a sound but doesn't make a sound because he catches it and they're like, oh, shit. And it's, like, a very tense moment. I uh, choked on my own spit <laughs> and started coughing so loud. And I was like... <laughs> and then, like, realized how loud I was being and, like, tried to subdue it but it was just choking more and was just like... <laughs> And 
all of the college and high schoolers that I had been looking at turned around and looked at me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the one. I am ultimately the problem here. They all shut up when the movie started and I decided to choke while it started, while it's the quietest it is. Um, and so, you know. Sometimes it comes back to bite those people in the ass when they're like, can you please shut up during the previews? Even internally, um, <laughs> they'll probably choke on their spit and uh, ruin the movie for themselves. Well, I think so. that that's a great segue to finishing my anecdote because this movie happened and we'll talk about it, but I won't get into it right now. But <laughs> the ending happened and the woman is <laughs> just like, are you kidding me? Out loud just said, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and I liked the movie. Like I, I, I did enjoy it, but like I, it bumped it up like at least a half star in my estimation, just because that woman was so turned off by the end of the movie. I was like, yes. Uh. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I, 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 like the story doesn't fully work for me, and even on like this rewatch, it's still like it still doesn't totally come together for me but it's i just am so floored by a lot of this movie like the visuals are so striking um the acting is incredible the script is incredible like the ideas that it's playing around with are really fascinating um and i just really appreciated that this movie is not like a spoon feed movie like this is a movie that you have to like really work for um and so I really appreciate that, and I really admire that. And I haven't seen it since theater, so I was excited to to watch it again um, and talk to you guys about it. So that's it. That's why I picked this one. Blabs. Boss. 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 Matt, you've um, seen this before, so you go first, and then we'll talk to Tierney, who hasn't seen it at all. Yeah, I saw this in seminary school um, <laughs> when I was studying to become a priest. Uh, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> is canceled um i watched it <laughs> i i watched it i think in 2019 so like two years ago um because i think colin had said like bish you gotta watch this movie so we can talk about it and i was like Ugh, there were so many good movies that came out in the summer of 2018 while you were like traipsing around europe <laughs> i was like i would have seen most yeah. of these movies with matt and talked to him about it but he just like is not here <laughs> so it's like there's like a just long the... list of movies that i was like you need to catch up on these <laughs> And I kept saying that 2017 was a better year than 2018. And so you were like, you have to see the good movies of 2018. And I was like, go eat shit. But uh, no, in reality, I was like, okay, fine. Like, it looked interesting. Um, it looked weird. The trailers were definitely like, they showed the weird stuff. Uh, and I was interested in watching it. So I did watch it at home. And remember the ending being a abrupt uh and having the ending just be like truly visceral and like haunting but uh i also remember overall being like yeah there's something here there's like it's meaty but uh i also think it's like lacking in certain spots so i'm interested in this conversation but overall i think i think it's a very powerful movie um and I have some ideas for two different movies that this could be in a double feature with. Ooh. Uh, but we can go into that later. Interesting. 
Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm excited to talk more about it. Because I do feel kind of like uh, removed from it. I think it's like, I have like opinions on it, but like I am not very personally invested in this movie and like whether or not people really like it because it's so weird. So yeah, I'm mostly just interested in discussing what we take from it. Um, and T-Girl, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, quick before we jump into it, uh, when you were talking about 2017 to 2018 movies, I was like, when did Call Me By Your Name come out? And I think it came out December 2017. Mm-hmm. And then it reminded me of how we saw it on Christmas Eve and I was in the recliner chair and you were in the one chair that didn't recline. Yeah, perfectly erect. No slop, no relaxation whatsoever. Literally like in a church pew. <laughs> and I was like sprawled out on like a recliner. Anyway, that was just It wasn't the only thing that was perfectly erect, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Tyranny also had a boner. I did. Yeah. It was Tyranny's boner, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, so I needed to nope. be laying down. <laughs> yeah. No, we all know. We all know what happened in that movie. Um, yeah, T-Girl. Uh, yeah, so thoughts. I saw this uh, for the first time in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're such a punk. No, but for a listener, if you happen to know... There is some movie about missionaries, and they described this as a priest movie, and I was thinking missionaries, that came out sometime before 2006, because I definitely watched it in high school, and I have not been able to think of what it was. We were describing this movie to Tierney, and we were like, yeah, it's about a priest, like a sad priest, and like environmentalism. She was like, oh, I think I saw that movie in like social studies class, and we were like... No. <laughs> no you, Did no, you, you go didn't. back to yeah. elementary school <laughs> recently? But there is Did a you Billy movie Madison? about missionary priests who... Is it The Mission? Who's in that? I don't know. That but sounds it's got, right. It's got an Ennio Morricone score that's beautiful. I think it might be that. Gabriel's Oboe? What? Or, yeah, I don't know. You were. We kept thinking it was silence, but silence also came. Silence, out I think, was like twenty sixteen. No, I think it so might be the also... mission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just it's need like to know the who's cover in is that. like a person with a sword, uh, and they're like Robert no, De Niro and Jeremy yeah. Irons. That's the one. Watch that Jeremy's one. Jeremy's Iron. Watch that one in social studies class in high school. Ooh. Um, Jeremy Irons. Anyway, this was my first time seeing First Reformed, uh, and I <laughs> a little bit. Uh, disarmed by the fact that you guys keep calling it weird because i did not <laughs> think it was that weird and i kept what? being like yeah finally people are fucking talking about this i don't oh, think no. it's weird until the end like the last like oh, 10 yeah. minutes of the movie are very weird but i See, don't and get... the magical mystery tour is weird right whatever the fuck that oh, scene i thought is, that was cool it's, it's cool but it's weird I, was gonna say... I mean there's a lot of cool weird stuff but this movie is weird the only yeah. thing that like, my only, uh, like, thing that I didn't really like was maybe the last minute. I think if, yeah. I think that they, they would have been better if they just cut it either, like, when he sees her walk into the church and, like, rips off his robe and screams into it would have been a good moment. Or when he uh, is about to drink Drano would have been another good moment just to leave it like ambiguous but i was kind of like what 
<laughs> it might be ambiguous, and we could talk more about that ending uh, because I don't know if it is straightforward. Because there's a lot of hints that whatever you're watching is not happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I thought like, I don't know. Uh, I enjoyed it because I was like, as you guys are aware, read far too much about the environment and what we are doing to it. And uh, my God, did I identify with that <laughs> husband? And then yeah. later the priest where I was like, I, I get it. It's heavy. It's really heavy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does feel like a movie that will only become more and more relevant, yeah. sadly. And that the, the messages of the movie will become more and more relatable to everyone of how it feels to be on Earth. Yeah. I did kind of want him to blow up that dude. Yeah. Who sucks. Didn't we all? And to the point where, though, it was like, what did I wrote it down? Uh, the second he walked into the diner, I hated him, and then I was right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like, I thought the environmentalism part was... Uh, like fantastically done and uh i also i don't know i didn't i didn't it like um I'm trying to think of how to phrase this but the like religion component wasn't very preachy it was just like mm-hmm. uh like very level which i was like i dig it um yeah and i think in looking at that aspect of like if god created the earth why aren't we doing anything and having a responsibility i thought that that was like cool to see Mm -hmm. yeah and i think religion is almost used as i think it's maybe this is inflammatory but i think it's used in this movie as a way of showing like what is unimportant versus what is important of like the reality of climate change and how the church kind of exists in this like conceptual realm or this like kind of it like isn't doing anything to address the problem it's just kind of this like additional distraction from it um and i think it's like talked about more most specifically when uh cedric the entertainer calls in uh uh, sad priest, which is AKA uh, <laughs> Ethan Hawke, of when they're talking, and he's like, kind of what you were just saying too, of like, uh, what are we doing with God's creation? Mm-hmm. But Cedric the Entertainer being like, well, maybe this is the plan, maybe this is God's plan, and and Ethan Hawke being like, for us to destroy everything, and he's like, oh, I don't know, God did it before with Noah. Which was like a, a kind of a cop out religiously to be like, well, who knows what God's plan is? And it's like, well, that removes a lot of the responsibility that we have to maintain the planet that is our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did read, I, uh, I was a, in a book I read this summer where they talk about Noah, the flood, likely being from in like prehistoric time, the Strait mm-hmm. of Gibraltar, Gibraltar opening and like the Mediterranean filling in the course of like. A short period of time but anyway um that makes sense 
I was about to say something about what you were saying, but then I got distracted by the Mediterranean. Fuck. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Oh! Uh, what you were saying about, like, religion showing us what's not important, and even just if you look at the structure of that church, you have the original one, which is, like, the original way of life, which almost no one does anymore, and then you have this bloated, like, mm. not even like really from the exterior recognizable as like a church um and how that is like financed by companies and all that sort of stuff to where i was like it's also a really good commentary on america specifically and what america has done with religion and the fact that religion or like churches are not taxed and all that stuff as well to where i was like oh that's a really it's like a very subtle commentary but it's there yeah that was for sure one of the things that i took away from this movie both times that i saw it because i (laughs) contrary to what matt and tierney were saying (laughs) i am not a church boy (laughs) um i yeah i mean i like grew up in the church i grew up going to church but i am not religious at all and part of it is because of like some of the hypocrisy that I think is is shown a light on or this movie shows a little bit of a light on um and so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of this movie I do think it's interesting too in the sense that like uh the thing that that uh hinders or like dampens I don't even know if these are the right words but the problem that many people have with religions is not necessarily like the faith itself but the people who orchestrate it and I thought that that was I just think that's interesting in general and so it's like interesting to see the protagonist who is a part of that butt up against it yeah I the the other moment that really strikes me is when he's like giving a tour and like on the one hand you're like oh that's really interesting like this used to be like this was a stop on the underground railroad and this Uh is like one of the first churches you know blah 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 like there's interesting history and then when the tour ends and he's like and we've got souvenirs here you can get this hat the shirts are all small but the hat is you know one size fits all so the hat's great and it's just like oh my god (laughs) i was like who wears a church hat that's my mind and what's so interesting about that too i wrote down uh the line that follows that's kind of the payoff for that scene which is when they're like oh don't they call it like the museum and he's like no the souvenir shop they call it the souvenir shop which is like (laughs) we're kind of like what a weird thing that he has to like peddle merchandise for this like small first reformed church but then to later have him kind of express how empty that feels and how mm-hmm. stupid it is to like pitch t-shirts um i was like oh that's an interesting moment too of him he's so i think what i love about the movie most is ethan hawk's performance which i think yes. is what kind of everybody took from it um and well, and the, yeah. Quick sidebar. That's why I thought that this wasn't nominated for any Oscars because I remember mm. there was like a huge push that everybody was like, "Yo, Ethan Hawke needs to be nominated for an Oscar here." Yeah. And he didn't get nominated, so I was just like, in my brain, this movie got shut out. Um, but anyway, sorry. No, no. Um, and I think, and obviously, like this is not to take away from our conversation around uh, climate change being the center theme of this movie. 
but I think that's a conversation that kind of goes into all of it. Uh, so we can go back to that. But uh, I do think like Ethan Hawke has so many like small choices in his performance that are genuine and like feel like a priest feel like a kind of like mentor figure that you would want to talk to he has like a very like uh unpresuming kind of presence in all the scenes where he is kind of being a teacher or a guide or uh like somebody uh that people turn to and even with the kids when he's like showing them that hatch for the underground railroad he's like okay watch out it's very deep like please be careful um and when (laughs) that scene gets so dark like right after incredible (laughs) where he's just like you know it's just hiding down there holding each other praying that god will protect them but like and you you just listening to the the slave owners horses outside yeah (laughs) i was like oh my god i think that scene almost comes too late or maybe too close to the ending to like really see that more i think like that sort of moment where he's just kind of like actually reflecting on the truth of the world uh like more moments like that i think were like where he really shines um and then the one scene that i just specifically remember watching ethan hawk and like analyzing this performance was when he's talking to cedric the entertainer and this is after, like, the person who helps around the church sees the empty whiskey bottles and, like, everyone is kind of worried about his health. And Cedric the Entertainer is like, hey, maybe you don't, maybe you should go to rehab and, like, not participate in this 250-year anniversary. And he, like, you just get that long shot of Ethan Hawke being like, please, I want to be there. This is my church. I want to be there. Please let me do it. And he, like, has this very, like, desperate, like, wide-eyed look. And then you don't cut away from him and you get Cedric the Entertainer being like, well, okay, but this, like, the rich guy that sucks, he wants to do some comments uh, during the ceremony. And just the subtle, it's like imperceivable changes on Ethan Hawke's face from this desperation to rage to total, like, shutdown of emotion where he's like, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, it's all just in how wide his eyes are. But it's it's such an imperceivable change that it's it's astounding, and you can like feel how he's reacting to this news and how he's taking in the information that like we're just going down a superficial corporate route uh, with this thing that should be a celebration around like the history of the church, and I was like, God, holy shit! Like what a what a performance from him, um, and like that's just one moment out of a movie full of moments where like he's incredibly relatable he's incredibly empathetic and he's like you can't take your eyes off of him when he's uh acting it's it's awesome he's such a good performer in this movie yeah uh i do i did uh have a note from the beginning before i realized it was even a movie about environment i know you guys told me it's a movie about environmentalism but i didn't know what specifically Mm -hmm. and i just wrote uh it annoys me that he doesn't use both sides of the page mm. in, his, in his notebook. <clears throat> to where I, when you were saying that, I was like, I wonder if later in the movie, I don't know if I, I wasn't paying attention enough to see if he starts using both sides of the notebook. That is interesting. I don't, um, I don't think he does. Damn it. You also don't see him writing in it as much as the movie goes on. It's like it starts with him writing with the voiceover and then it yeah. 
mostly just transitions to voiceover. I think there are a couple shots towards the end where he is writing, but... I also fully thought it was a colonial movie for, like, the first several minutes. <laughs> like the witch? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought it was, like, like a, a like, Scarlet Letter era. Yeah. <laughs> like a puritanical. Yeah, I did. <laughs> The I think also like the idea that he's writing in this journal and at the end of one year it'll be destroyed, uh, shredded and then burnt, is also weirdly similar to kind of like creating in order to destroy, like creating with the intention that at the oh. end of it you will destroy it. And so like, is this God's plan? Like is is it to create and then to destroy it? Um, but, like, that kind of already preconceived uh, decision that, like, at the end of this, no one will see this. Um, but I, I don't know if that's actually purposeful or if it's just, like, a, a happy coincidence. But, um, yeah, that journal is an interesting framing device, too, that we get, like, narration and very intimate thoughts and some, like, pretty dark thoughts that, like, you probably wouldn't think that a priest would have. But being somebody who did grow up in the Catholic church and like always around priests, uh, I always kind of thought that their inner lives were probably pretty sad and that their like writings were probably incredibly depressing. So. It's interesting. You mentioned that because I texted you guys and neither one of you responded. That oh, I didn't color... feel qualified to respond. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I the color palette of this movie is very like faded and cold oh. and it's like a color palette that I would associate with a uh, Catholic priest or Catholic mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. just in the sense that it's like, I'm, I don't, I can only speak from my own experience, but I have never been in a Catholic church that is like well lit and warm. Oh, I think, and that's <laughs> probably winter. why, that's probably why I didn't respond. Cause I have only been in churches that feel like that where it's like, a lot of wood, a lot of light, like big chandeliers. And I think I always see Catholicism as like overly ornate, which I almost mm. think, I think, I don't know. I think this one works exactly as it should. Um, I do think the Catholic church kind of needs to come to God, uh, you know, no pun intended, but like has <laughs> to realize that like the ornateness and the over excessiveness of how money uh is part of everything i think is more um, hypocritical when butted up against like climate change and like what we're doing about actual like i mean what is the church why is the church why is everything covered in gold and gems and stained glass as much as i love all that shit why is that part of the church and so like with the first reformed church, it is very stripped down. I think it gets to the point of what you said, Tierney, of like this original church is very straightforward and bare bones and minimalist and simple, whereas this other like mega church is ve- that felt more like churches I've been to, um, even as a Catholic, where it's like carpeted and like rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of pews and like you know too big to do anything specifically. My the church that was attached to my grade school uh, in my hometown that I left uh, for like literally a decade they were raising money to build a church and then first they built the priest's house 
that had two satellite dishes and like a fenced in backyard. It was literally the biggest house in our town. And then they built the church, which like wasn't that much bigger, didn't seem to accommodate that much more people, that many more people. And like, I would always look up and be like, there's so much wasted space above us. It's just like a big circle church with no second level and just like room, just this like vast nothing above us. And it felt like such a waste. Uh, so that mega church felt very similar to St. John the Evangelist Church in Streamwood, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Getting put on blast. Putting on a blast. Uh, I think probably yeah. other than like outside of Rome or like Italy, mm-hmm. I feel like I've probably been in some uh, simple churches. Yeah. And I think I've somehow missed miss the fancy ones because there's a kid those are the ones you want to go to because there's so much to look at oh yeah and that's why i always liked going to church not for the actual church experience but because i would typically imagine green goblin shattering through the main stained glass window (laughs) and like spider-man swinging around the narthex to fight him uh (laughs) instead of paying attention to whatever we were talking about in church so have you seen venom let there be carnage yet No, <laughs> but I'm sure there's a church scene. Obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, like the climactic final battle takes place in a church. Sounds like so Daredevil. Like when you were describing, me. like, what? Sounds like Daredevil too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I also um, just, but I did have, and I don't. It's interesting. Like I have always felt like a, like a priest is like a like a removed from social so Mm -hmm. like they're like not they're kind of above people (laughs) to where like the idea of going to a priest for counsel is like would never (laughs) (laughs) like even as a kid it was like you don't go to a priest for that uh but i guess that's maybe everybody's different i hung out at a priest's uh apartment once like just like for a fun thursday night hang uh, I was visiting a friend of mine who went to school in Georgetown, who is now a priest <laughs> himself. Um, but we were, I, we went out to DC for the 4th of July. And so this, like this priest, uh, was the one who was like, uh, he's basically like the caretaker for like the bulldog, like Georgetown's mascot bulldog. And so we went over to his house and we were just like, my friend was like, oh yeah, a bunch of us usually go over to this guy's house on Thursday nights. You want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll, I'll hang out with that dog. And, uh, I got there. We, we were, uh, turns out they were watching a movie and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, the movie was doubt. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, halfway through the movie, they paused it so that they could do like a quick little mini service with communion. <laughs> so I was just like, it's uh, mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I do not belong here. <laughs> I do not belong here. But also, why was a priest watching doubt with people? I, I mean, that's weird as fuck. That movie's about, I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> weird. That's weird. I've never seen it. It was it was a like it was a very bizarre life experience. To stop halfway not through necessarily bad, but just like very bizarre. To stop halfway <laughs> through doubt to serve Eucharist is insane. Like Eucharist. truly look at you little Catholic boy. 
after the consecration, you know, after the consubstantiation of God becoming the bread and becoming the wine, um, not symbolic. Uh, in the Catholic Church, it is believed yeah. to be actually the body. Yes. Actually. Just some blood. light cannibalism every week. But it's like chill. Because it like is flavorless chill cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Um. But yeah, that's a that's weird. Doubt is a, such a fucking weird choice. I can't get over how weird doubt is to be like. Let's all like watch a movie together. Well, I think it was. I mean, I think it was kind of like a like a book club type situation. Mm. So like, it makes sense for. I was ready like, for it, you to say like the Passion of the Christ or oh. something like very. Yeah, religious. I mean, Passion of the Christ would have been less uncomfortable, I think, than doubt. Yeah, we had to watch. I don't know what is doubt about that is, makes it so bad. It's about Philip Seymour Hoffman is a priest that there are rumors going around that he has uh, a relationship in some way with this young boy who goes to this Catholic school. Meryl Streep is the head nun and hears word of this and begins to investigate whether or not there is something untowards happening. Amy Adams is very concerned. Also there. She's a nun and she's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And Meryl Streep is like, I'm going to find out what's happening here if there's funny business. And then talks to Viola Davis, who's the mother of the child. Viola Davis got a nomination for this. This was like her kind of breakout role because it's one scene and it's just her talking to Meryl Streep and trying to be like, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to I don't want to hear what you think. And Meryl Streep being like, if there is something happening, we have to investigate. And it's like a pretty emotionally brutal scene. Um, and overall, the whole movie is about this doubt that some people have that the priest would do something like this. Uh, it's Meryl Streep doubting that this guy is uh, is a good man. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman doubting that uh, this nun has the best intentions for him. And so it's all of them kind of figuring out what is going on. And in the Sounds end... Sounds like a lot of fun. In the end... Uh, I the last line of the movie is I have such doubts and so the movie is named Doubt. <laughs> My God. Anyway. It's good though. First reform. Yeah. Um one quick sidebar. I'm gonna go I'm gonna circle back uh just because it made me giggle and I need to share it. When you were Matt, when you were talking about how you feel like priests have like some deep like personal shit uh-huh. <laughs> that they have to work through. It reminded me of the scene in Ladybird when uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson's character is yeah. like just like sits there and just starts crying on command in like the drama class. And everybody's I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. The fuck. Yeah. Priests are sad. Priests are priests. I think a lot of priests are sad. I once got in trouble because my like Sunday school class had to like we all had to like help do a mass and I had to do a reading and I guess I didn't give it the gravitas that it (laughs) needed. And so I got lectured about how important what I was about to do was. And then I, I took a deep breath and turned to the microphone. (laughs) So into the microphone, I went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got in even more trouble (laughs) about not taking it seriously. Okay. And then I also had last rites. Those were probably my two most intimate moments (laughs) with the priest. You had last rites? 
Yeah, my mom made me do it. Oh wow. I don't know if my, I don't think my brother. It's really had... a comforting thing to go into a surgery when your mom's like, "Can you get last rites?" Yeah. Oh my god, that is Jesus. heavy as fuck. I I don't know if it was last rites, but my brother definitely had some anointing that happened when he was like mm-hmm. struggling with asthma, and I think it was like mostly a blessing to be like, "Hey, you're gonna get out of this." Uh, but I also feel like it might have been. Last They're rites. the same thing. Because they like anointing of the sick and last rites. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. And like, and the Catholic Church is very much like you know, it's not like necessarily last rites. It's just like a blessing. <laughs> it's just like to make you feel good. But like, it's technically the same sacrament. And uh, yeah, you get points either way. So you know. Yeah. Sacrament. So points. I don't have the marriage sacrament, but I do have the death one. So you also have to be uh, clergy. Killing it. Yeah, marriage or clergy. Those are the, the two routes. Yeah. Both are sacraments. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to talk about sacraments. We could definitely talk about sacraments. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Colin's so, like, why so did I bring this? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I, so, it would be, yeah. I did think it would be an interesting conversation, specifically because, I mean, like, like I said, I did grow up going to church, but I never really took it that seriously. But I know that you guys were at least more serious about your (laughs) religious upbringing than I was. It was more thorough. Yeah. Yeah. More Uh, in your face. There was more, uh, there were more obligations. (laughs) Uh, I did want to talk about the moment when he poured Pepto-Bismol in the whiskey. Because I was like, on the one hand, I'm an 85-year-old. I have heartburn. And it's legit a significant chunk of the pie as to why I don't drink anymore. (laughs) (laughs) To us, like, killing two birds with one stone. I get it. But at the same time, what? Yeah. (laughs) I do think it's supposed to be like a, oh. (laughs) I remember in, like, like, early, early pandemic, like, March, you know, like, those last two weeks of March 2020 Mm -hmm. felt like seven years of our lives. Um, I remember that, like, that gif of just, like, the, the Pepto-Bismol, like, swirling in the whiskey was, like, on heavy rotation in my group chats, because we were just like, oh, the world is fucked, like, just awful, like, we're all gonna die from this terrible disease, and, like, that yeah. was just our way of coping, was just, like, sending gifts back and forth, and, yeah, that, that one was, uh pretty pretty strong in the rotation it is an incredibly powerful image like you know i don't know symbolically i don't it's kind of straightforward but like the music that they have behind it and like the zoom in on like this like bubbling swirling like pink cloud in the whiskey is so visceral and like terrifying it's like oh god this is like this is haunting to like look at this whiskey swirl with pepto-bismol it's it's truly upsetting. Yeah, but also, like, pretty trill, I would say. <laughs> I've actually never had Pepto. I usually just go Tums. At the next bar I go to, I'm going to be like, can I have a whiskey Pepto? And they're going to be like, what? <laughs> I'm like, whiskey Pepto. Make it swirl. I do kind of wonder what it tastes like. Like, there was a part of me that was like, because Pepto Bismol is what, cherry flavored? Ish, yeah. I mean, it's like chalky. Yeah. It's kind of thick So you could have flavored. like a... Chalky cherry whiskey. I'll have a chalky cherry whiskey. Basically like a cherry whiskey with milk. Yeah. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty pretty cool, though, I would say. Um, I'm trying to think if I would do it. 
I mean, I probably... I mean, I once drank vodka and milk for money, so I would probably have done it. What is a right, white Russian? <laughs> milk and that's, what? Uh, vodka, Kahlua, and cream. Yeah. So, I mean... That's like liqueur, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. You have Kahlua, I mean, so milk and vodka, potato yeah, milk. Those flavors like, all kind of, like, go together. <laughs> like... It was disgusting. Don't do it. <laughs> I was like 18. Listener, I, no, don't try. Good. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was 21. <laughs> say, that definitely sounds like something a college student would do. Whereas I'm here, like 33 years old, genuinely contemplating. Like, I don't own any Pepto-Bismol, but like, if I had some, I have some whiskey on my shelf. So it's like, if I had some, it's like, would I try it? Literally every time I watch The Room, I drink Scotchka, so, like, I clearly don't. <laughs> Even I don't do that. I had Scotchka once, and I was like, I'll pass from now on. I'll just do Is that just Scotch and vodka? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think I told you guys, we went to, I want the theater that does Midnights in Denver to start doing Midnights. They're open again, finally, but they haven't started doing Midnights yet. And I want them to do another midnight showing of The Room. It's been, like, over two years, and I want to go so badly. But the last time we went, my brother-in-law, I had to work that night at the theater. So, like, I met them at the, like, I met them at the movie. And so when they left their house, he had poured shooters of Scotchka. <laughs> he just, like, handed them to all of us, like, right before that scene. And so, like, when... When Johnny takes his drink, we all took our shots. Ugh. It was so awful. <laughs> um, while we're on the um, topic... All that is to say, I will definitely do that again next time I go see the room. Gross. <laughs> so. so gross. <laughs> Maybe next time I watch First Reformed, I'll go buy some Pepto-Bismol first. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that in one of your, like, movie cocktail books that you have? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should double check. Um, well, well, I don't. I think whatever one I have came out before 2018, like before right. this movie came out. So maybe I'll have to look for the updated edition. Yeah, they're like, oh, we we only did one update, and it's Pepto Bismol in whiskey. We just had to get this one thing in here. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of like weird, gross-looking things, can Is we talk? Urine? Can we? Well, yeah, that's pretty rough. That first time you see that pink pee, it's like. <gasps> Yeah. No. It's really upsetting. And then when he's going to the doctor and getting all the checkups and there's just like all those quick like insert shots mm-hmm. and you just see that one. And it's like it, it, it like it took me a while to recognize what it was. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, that's just a urine sample. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Like dark brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty scary. Um, what were you going to say, Matt? Can we talk about that eyeball lamp, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please. I what I did was like, this is so out of place. I was waiting for something to explain what it was or why it was there or have him notice it. But it's just a lamp that looks like a big old eyeball in the house of Amanda Seyfried and her husband. And it's just there. There's no explanation. Maybe it represents the eye of God. Maybe it represents... The eye of Sauron. Yeah, the yeah. eye of Sauron. Um... But yeah, couldn't make heads or tails of it, but did love that lamp and was like, can I get that lamp? How did you get that lamp? Where'd that lamp come from? <laughs> I need to buy that lamp. Yeah, uh, but that was just an incredible little piece of, uh, of, of set that I liked, um, which also related to that same household, uh, that shot where the husband leaves the frame and you just have to watch the laptop progress in years and the heat yeah. of the world increasing. Yeah. I was like, this is a pretty masterful shot to just, like, 
make us look at something and like it's the only thing your eye goes to everything else is static and very like muted and this one laptop image is just like scary scarier scariest um and that was pretty great that scene is fascinating yeah like the the first time they talk and i <laughs> like the whole time i was just like this is what it's like to much, talk to tyranny yeah, so it's like <laughs> imagining how much tyranny felt seen <laughs> oh yeah i'm not one for like snaps but i was like mentally was like yes fucking yes bringing up ipcc reports from 2014 <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and and also his reaction to it of being like uh it was like jacob wrestling the angel like everything i said he had something else to say. It was exhilarating. I was like, oh, that's like, a, that's a cool inciting incident for the story to have him actually feel like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and like being challenged and having to think about this. And it's like a great moment for him to kind of become committed to like, this is exciting for me to learn about because it feels important and it feels like it has a, a, a purpose. I also um, like that the whole like genesis of this environmentalism is the fact that like Amanda Seyfried is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause I think that that's something that like, I mean, people definitely aren't having kids as much, at least in this country. And, um, a lot of developed countries aren't, aren't, uh, having children at the same rate. And a lot of it is because of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's, <clears throat> almost all of the reason why i'm not interested in having children <laughs> i'm just like like a, like a real like in this movie like i don't feel comfortable bringing a child into this world knowing that, i can't justify it right like knowing yeah. that like that's what their life will be it's so yeah and if we're going to talk about this i know colin you were going to say something um but i about the topic of kids uh so like if if you want to go first i can I can thumbtack mine. And no, come no, no. Back mine, to it. mine is very small, and I can, we can come back to it later. I won't okay. forget. Well, uh, I just recently had. I forgot really that that was what this movie starts with. Is that she is that her husband wants her to get an abortion because they can't. Like he doesn't want a child brought into this world. And I was like, oh shit, not a bo- an abortion. But I had a conversation with my brother like literally last month. Um, on the way from moving my car from Portland to LA where we had this long conversation both of us left pretty uh, like kind of bummed afterward because it was about children and about like how he was talking to our friends and some of them who are in long-term relationships or like are thinking of like the next step for a lot of their relationships have kids in mind and he has asked them like is it right or is it selfish to bring a child into this world considering what we know the next 20 to 30 years plus will be and considering that we're already past our holding limit as a species and every new person is adding to the already unsustainable current societal norms that we have is it right for you because you want a kid to bring another person in knowing what they have in their future. And so watching that discussion, I was like, oh fuck, this is literally the exact conversation I had with my brother where I was being the Ethan Hunt, or not Ethan Hunt. (laughs) It would be incredible if Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible movies. No, you gotta have a kid, you gotta have a kid. Um, No, 
But, but yeah, the first reformed Mission Impossible crossover <laughs> event is I will be first in line to buy my ticket. <laughs> Speaking of uh, real, 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 real quick sidebar, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout was another movie that came out the summer you were traipsing through Europe, and I couldn't. But I did see. But that. You did actually see that. I one, saw that right? in IMAX in Berlin, and it was the only thing I did that day. I specifically remember I like woke up late. You were probably so tired I was... afterward from the emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it's like a 19-hour movie, so you know it was so long. And I woke up late, I and saw I was it on like, a "School night." I was like, "I'll go see a movie," and I like walked to the closest theater in uh, Potsdam or Plotz, sat there in the in the IMAX, and then left the theater and was like, it's pretty late. I don't know. Should I do anything? And I literally just walked back to my hostel and stayed there the rest of the night. And I was like, well, I guess that was what today was, was I just saw Mission Impossible, and that's it. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, that conversation, I was the Ethan Hawke, kind of voice of reason of like there's so much beauty in the world and like there is a positive to like life like bringing life to experience life is its own kind of beauty but as we kept talking i was like i mean i guess maybe it is more merciful not to bring a child in at all rather than the cost that it takes for another person uh, to live through uh, this and like there will be children born no matter what but if you have the choice to either bring more people in or not like if you're able to abstain from childbearing then that is probably the more ecologically correct thing to do tyranny i want to hear your thoughts. i have two things to say yeah the single most sustainable decision that you can make is to not have children and that has wow. been a scientific thing. The carbon footprint of having a child is more than, like, eating meat. It's more than everything. Owning a car, flying around the world. Mm. It's like having a kid makes the worst. But I would just take what you're saying and <clears throat> add, like, because I'm, I, I'm a woman and I love kids. And so I am also, like, I can't justify bringing a kid into this world also like my genetics are not fit for a warming climate oh no (laughs) but you can do if the merciful thing is to not bring a kid into the world i'd say the Mm. like Mm. merciful and generous thing to do would be to take a kid who's already in this world and give them a nice life and adopt which is ultimately what my brother was telling our friends of like if you want kids there are kids already Mm -hmm. if you want your genetic legacy to continue then you should self-assess if that's a selfish thing and i was like okay you might want to be a little like lighter (laughs) with that yeah (laughs) with the way you say that but like ultimately none of us are really denying that that is the case it is kind of selfish to be like the main reason i want kids is because i want a part of me to continue on and it's like bitch none of us will continue on if we keep overpopulating yeah yeah and so like i think to your point though like adoption is sustainable it's merciful and it's giving somebody else who's already in this world a chance to experience it in a way that you want a kid to experience it and uh, yeah, I think adoption is kind of the the answer. If you want kids, there's plenty out there, um, and it's kind of where the I mean, at, on the topic of abortion, because it's a it's a 
part of this movie of mm-hmm. like you know abort pro-life people are typically pro-birth and that's kind of where it ends mm-hmm. and so the mm-hmm. idea that like the actual pro-life thing to do would be to make sure that people that are already here on the mm-hmm. planet living and breathing with a heartbeat and fingernails and little toes are actually able to live a life on this planet instead of being abandoned and ruined like by. affordable health care mm. and good oh, education interesting. And mm. maybe universal pre-k and wow what just a couple, i just have a couple other thoughts <laughs> oh <laughs> And it's, like, all such novel things that, like, no one's ever discussed or talked about. No. And it's, like, yeah. it's so it's weird. We, we are the only people, the three of us on this podcast, we are the only ones who have ever mentioned these ideas that yeah. could, could make the world a better place. Especially to, like, people that, like, have the, the power to make those things, you know, possible right. and happen. It's too bad that no one else is talking to anyone and that no one else... Uh, cares but uh but no that specific conversation was like wow this i mean this kind of to the point though like if my brother and i were having this conversation he hasn't even seen this movie this movie will be more and more and more and more relevant and kind Mm -hmm. of important for people to face this issue like this and find how devastating it is it is kind of debilitating when you look at the face of this monster that we're in but yeah yeah Oh, it's a hundred. I mean, I, you guys are well aware that I <laughs> regularly fall into like existential climate crises. Yeah. Well, you uh, and I earlier this year, we got into a little spat one morning because I saw on Twitter that Coldplay were going to like, they're going oh, yeah. out on tour and they're being like, they're trying to be more sustainable. And you were just like, not good enough. And I was like, look, I agree it's not good enough, but it's a Thursday morning and I need to have something. I can't just like, it's, I haven't even, like, I've barely gotten out of bed. I can't, like, I can't death spiral this early. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely, I think that was this fall. I definitely had a period where I was like, fuck, we're doomed. <laughs> I mean, you kind of had an Ethan, an Ethan Hawke moment where he's like, well, someone has to do something. It was like that kind of desperation of like, oh, who the fuck cares, Coldplay? What else are you doing? I eventually came to like the, like a certain amount of, and this is where the initial conversation, I was like, oh, I dig it with between hope and despair. Yes. Because I got to the point where my hope, it's a bit bleak, but that like, uh, I think I wrote it down here. Um, my oh yeah, my hope comes from the naturalness of human demise, <laughs> which, which is so bleak. But if you think about it, we're all animals, and if we're destroying biodiversity across the planet, we're destroying ourselves. And mm-hmm. so, like the the hope comes from just like well, circle of life. <laughs> I mean, not not so incorrect whenever I, though. Yeah. Whenever I start to get uh start to get like super anxious about it i'm like well you know we're only mammals and we're gonna die too so yeah that's it you and me baby we're ain't nothing but mammals oh there it is glad Um, we got there another quote that i thought like actually kind of going off of that at the end so if you have that in the beginning the hope and despair the always in the garden Mm. scene at Mm. the end i thought was really cool because then it's like oh well now you're he's the one that's 
quote unquote always in the garden. Um, which is an interesting turn of phrase because a gardener is usually always in a garden and they're usually tending things to grow. That, but here it's used as like, oh, well, you're always in with the weeds sort mm-hmm. of thing. And wait, in what way do you think, are you saying Cedric the Entertainer is in the garden? No, he said that to Ethan Hunt. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I mean, when you say like, it's interesting that at the end he is in the garden. Who's in like the if, garden? If, if being in, uh, Ethan Hunt. So if being in the garden is something that's like, you're in the pit of despair, then... He's ended up there, even though in the beginning he's the one that had hope. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess that, um, is, that is a good point. That, like, that it, like, shows that he's gone, like, full, I almost said full Monty. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there, I have a couple of the things I want to talk about, but then I think we should talk about the end. Yes. Okay. Um, so the thing I was going to say earlier, uh, the husband, mm-hmm. Matt, how disappointing. So the first, like, three or four times you see the husband, he's kind of, like, in the background, and you don't really get a good look at who he is. It's I know just, what like, you're going to say. Yeah, disheveled hair and a beard, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. And then you finally get to see, like, there's just a close-up on his face when they're, like, he's finally meeting um, Reverend Toller, and they're having their first conversation. How disappointed were you? When you realized that it was not Christopher Abbott. Devastated. I, for a minute, I was like, wait, did I forget Christopher Abbott's in this movie? I had the same thought. And I then, like, holy shit, I feel like I would have remembered Christopher Abbott being 100%. in this movie. 100%. But then I was like, maybe he is, and I just forgot. And it was bit like in the scene where they're talking in the house, and it was just the profile. I was like, yeah. is this Christopher Abbott? And then they did the close-up of like his fr- face from the front. And I was like, it's not him. It's not him. Where is Christopher <laughs> Abbott? Why isn't he in this movie? Um, it feels like this would be a movie that Christopher Abbott would be in. Though. Absolutely. I can't believe you knew that that's what I thought. Of course. I know how much you love Christopher Abbott. I love Christopher <laughs> Abbott. I'm in love with Christopher Abbott. Well, um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Christopher Abbott, <laughs> please. You're this week's listener. Please be in first reformed. Please. Um, no, but yeah, specifically, I was like. <gasps> So, they make a good couple, though. Him and Amanda Seyfried? I wonder if they, like... I mean, I don't know what the budget on this movie was. I guess I could look at uh, Wikipedia. But I would imagine it was a fairly low-budget affair. Yeah, mm-hmm. $3.5 million. Mm. Maybe they just couldn't afford Christopher Abbott. They, like, they blew their wad on Ethan Hunt and... Uh... <laughs> and Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. What a cast. Um... um Other things that I wanted to just briefly mention, I don't really have much to say, but I think, like, visually, this movie is, like, staggering. Uh, Like, the choice to shoot this in, like, the the aspect ratio that they did was just an incredible choice. Mm -hmm. And I think to, like, your point that you were making earlier, like, when you, like, when uh, the husband, when not Christopher Abbott goes away and you just, like, see that computer screen... Like, I think you still would have, like, that. that's what would have drawn your attention, even if it would have been a widescreen mm-hmm. aspect ratio. But because it's this box, and because you have so much less to focus on, it really draws your attention. Um, and the way so many of the shots were framed in that perfect box were just beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and like that was one of the things I remember walking away from the theater. And I was just like, oh my god! Like, I think it's it's fun when people play with aspect ratio, but like, it's usually like fun, and then you're like, okay, like let's let's move on. But I think when there when there was a choice that was made for a good reason, I always really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that this movie was like a, one of the more better, one of the more well executed. Cho- like aspect ratio choices that I've seen in recent years. I only realized it almost towards the end. I was like, oh shit, we're not in a widescreen aspect ratio. So that yeah. was also like, to its credit, not distracting whatsoever, unlike Justice League, the Snyder Cut, <laughs> which I was like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Stop. Um, and then one other thing, speaking of just like beautiful scenes, uh, that iconic, there's like two iconic shots where he's like towards the end of the movie where he's just kind of like walking around and there's one of him and like the sky is just that like deep navy blue Uh and it's just like his silhouette against it it's just a incredibly beautiful like shot and then there's that one that comes a few minutes later where he like walks off screen and then it's like a quick time lapse and then it's like this really beautiful purple and then he like walks back and so like but the first time it's like just his silhouette against this like beautiful sky and then now it's like you can actually see his face against this like even more beautiful i just like there's there's so many visuals in this movie like just like little shots from this movie that are truly like jaw droppers yeah um and i wanted to just at least shout those out um yeah good yes um should we talk about the ending or did you have anything else you want i have literally we should talk about Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. What are we? What should we talk about? Well, I, was gonna, I don't know if we want to include it in the ending, but we should talk about the magical mystery tour. And that was one of my notes, so we could definitely talk about that. Um, my other two things are just that he has a flip phone, which I thought was very authentic to what this priest would have. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene where his like cantor singer friend, who they used to date, but now they're not together oh, anymore. The stairs. And she's oh like, God. "Please, you've got to take care of yourself." And he's like. I despise you. I despise, I despise you. what you bring out in me. You are a stumbling block. Like, it's so brutal. It's so good. And I, like, laughed yeah. because it's it's incredibly mean. It's, like, the meanest thing that you could say to somebody. But you're also kind of like, yeah, get off his shit. Like, he's dealing with stuff that you don't need to be concerned about. Like, get off of him. <laughs> well, yeah. and you, you, Matt, are always, like, concerned about setups and payoffs. Yeah. And I feel like that was, like, a really good payoff for, like, the subtle build between their characters throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, to get to that point where he just, like, loses it on her <laughs> is really, really awesome. Yeah. And it's, like, a good uh, real-life sort of thing in the sense that he's dealing with shit and yeah. he's going to react kind of hard. He's so yeah. genuine, uh, too. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's talk about the Magical Mystery Tour, and then let's talk about the end. Yeah. I don't know what the Magical Mystery Tour is. I don't get it, but I would like to talk through it to see if maybe there was something that I'm missing. Yeah, I I remember... I still don't really get it, but it's one of the things that I will never forget. Like, it's just... It's so... Like, it's so weird, and it's so out of place... Yeah, but it's also just like so sweet and beautiful that the two times that I've seen this movie, like that's been the standout moment for me. 
Um, when they start levitating? When they, Yeah, like, because I remember when it first happened, like, because it, it takes a while for them to levitate. Like, so they're just, like, laying on top of each other, staring at each other for, like, an uncomfortably long time. And I was like, what? What are we, like, what is this? Why is this happening? Uh-huh. What are we doing? And then when they start levitating, and then, like, the camera starts moving, and then it starts, like, floating through all of those different, like, sequences when it starts with nature, and then it, like, starts to get to, like, all the really fucked up stuff that we're doing what to the earth. What nature is now. <laughs> yeah, like, um, just, like, a really astounding choice. Um, but, again, I don't really know what it means or how it fits into the overall story, but, like, God bless Paul Schrader for putting it in this movie, and, like, God bless A24 for not noting it to death, because I feel like if this were a studio movie, that's something that definitely would have gotten taken out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like, so, in terms of them kissing at the end, like, it makes sense for their characters, but it's, like, the sort of thing where, like, you don't want it to happen, but, like, that whole scene is basically, I feel like, her way of being, like, I'm into you, Mm -hmm. and his way of being, like, oh, me too, but it's also a way to, uh, like, show how far he's come in terms of, like, all of the climate stuff. But also, like, in terms of, like, what they're actually doing, (laughs) this is, again, where you guys are like, it's so fucking weird. (laughs) But, like, it's what you do for anxiety is, like, like, I have fully had someone lay on top of me when I've been very anxious. I think you also, like. It's like like a weighted blanket. Yeah, but it. Uh, I mean, it's two hundred pound weight. Right, but I mean, like a similar concept to a yeah. weighted blanket. And then I know, in terms of like, uh, like falling in love or connection or like any sort of intimacy, extended eye contact mm. is like makes it far more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I read that in an article that was like, if you basically stare at someone else's eyes for like eight minutes, you're far more likely to fall in love with them but it's like mm. that's intense yeah if, if you've ever done that's it for lo- 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> it's intense uh and uh, what was the other thing i was gonna say about that um oh yeah i don't know i didn't think it was that weird but then again i've also like <laughs> asked someone to do that i mean we weren't staring into each other's eyes but have someone like lie on top of me <laughs> so i don't necessarily think that like them <laughs> i don't i like I, what's weird isn't necessarily the fact that they did that i think the what's fact that weird, they levitate i was gonna say like yeah. the fact that it like because like they start levitating and then floating and i, I think that's the part that like turns it into weird which is think not they're necessar- actually doing that or is it no, no, just no no all... they're not yeah, yeah no they're definitely not yeah. um i just I thought think- it was in his mind yeah, but that's still, like, based on how grounded everything yeah. else about this movie is, it's still a weird choice. Again, yeah. not a bad thing. Like, I, I, it's one of my favorite moments of the entire movie. Yeah. But it is, especially when compared to everything else in the movie, it is okay, very yeah. weird. And it's weird, <laughs> and it's weird to have, like, a moment where this, like, priest and this person are just, like, laying on top of each other. And, like, that's the shot, is that we're just, like, lingering on them, like, laying face towards each other slightly further away like 
sometimes you get close to their faces in that scene, but most of the time you're just like watching them lay on the ground in silence. And that is like weird to have happen towards the end of the movie, like as just a thing that these characters are doing. But it makes sense that that it's something that she would have done with her husband considering it's an anxiety thing. And that at I mean it is for me. I don't know if it's but the bet, case for other no, people. It, it well, like I, I mean, like I know that, like, like I said, I I know that weighted blankets are a thing, and mm-hmm. obviously, like a weighted blanket, <laughs> a weighted blanket is, is significantly different than a whole human being. But like, I can yeah. see it being, a you know, a similar way to cope with that particular anxiety yeah also notice that he's not wearing his collar during that scene mm-hmm. oh he's just wearing a sweater mm-hmm. cheeky mm, i noticed that but um <laughs> yeah yeah uh i think also like i feel like we haven't really taught maybe it'll all wrap into the ending but like i feel like there's so much happening with his character that does kind of lead to the ending of the fact that he was married before. He lost his son to a war that he supported, uh, and then felt and he basically like pushed his son into the war. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then felt guilty about like felt guilty about that. Has become a priest. Is an alcoholic. Uh, is dying of cancer, and like I feel like the cancer is such a a subplot that drives his like personal emotional state. And also, like, thematically kind of has this way of pushing him into being, like, yeah, there's no time left. Like, there's no, we, there's no time to wait on this, on, like, climate change or cancer. Like, it's all happening right now. And, like, there's just nothing else you can do. So, like, that emotional state that he exists in for the movie of even, oh, God, the one moment, too, when he's talking to, um... I guess it was Cedric the Entertainer, where he's like, you know, imagine having a kid and, like, raising your kid in this. And he's like, I had a son. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah. I, I didn't mean it that yeah. way. And he's like, no, I know you didn't. But, like, that moment of, like, I was a father. Like, I know what it is like to raise a child in this um, was also incredible. And to and to walk upon the husband, which we haven't even mentioned, that the husband shoots himself in the head with a shotgun in the middle of the forest and he's the one who finds him, like, that is the turning point of him kind of being like, oh, fuck, it is kind of bleak. Like, I don't know if there is a lot of hope. Um, And so, like, all of that leading up to this kind of dramatic, uh, disturbing ending uh, is is well-crafted. And then the ending, though, like, yeah, let's talk about that ending. Let's do it. We don't have a ton of time left, so we got to talk about that ending. I am, like, uh, just because, like, I feel like Michael, the husband, almost, like, recruited him. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that he's dying, like, it's, like, teed up perfectly to be a sacrifice. Yeah. For the cause. And that's where I'm kind of, like, oh, that itch wasn't scratched. But I, so, I think it goes, I mean, I think that the, the ending is really ambiguous, Obviously, uh-huh. um, I do, it's not obvious to me. Explain it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the fact that it just like cuts to black, and like it, it's not even just like a cut to black, but like the sound cuts out. Like it's a full just like stops in the middle of what's happening. 
But they're um, just making out. Well, are they, right, or did like, he drink the Drano? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, oh. so, I think that, like, I think that it's, you could interpret this ending a lot of different ways, and I think there is an interpretation where it's really straightforward, and, like, you know, like, you, you, you know, I think, like, there is an interpretation where it's really straightforward, where she, like, she sees him, she stops him from drinking the Drano, she pulls him out of the despair, and, like, that is the hope element, right? Like, I think there is an interpretation of that. Um, but I also think that it's a fair interpretation that, like, that's just, like, a fever dream right before he dies. Like, and, and I, I really I like appreciate... That better. I, and I was gonna say, I like I wanted yeah. to see what you guys thought because I don't even know where I stand on it personally. I think I just don't want a happy ending. I don't think it's a happy ending because specifically we get in the shot where they like embrace. She rubs her hand across his back, and at no point reacts to barbed wire being wrapped around his body. Where right. if she pressed her hand against his back, one he would probably react, but two she would feel. Well, and she's hugging him, too. Like, he had it wrapped all the way around his entire body, like, his his chest and everything. So, like... And his back is smooth. Yes, she was wearing a coat and stuff, but, like, she would probably notice that there's, like, something going on. And then, yeah, if she's, like, rubbing his back, you'd think that she would notice that, too. So that's... I think that is specifically why I don't think uh, it's reality. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Did did he do the barbed wire as, like, a self-flagellation thing? I think... Yeah, and I think that's also part of why this ending is kind of confusing is because like it does feel like a like a change of direction, really sh- like a sharp turn, mm-hmm. which I think is justified for why he decides not to blow up in the church. But like that idea of like this kind of Chekhov's suicide bomber vest being around him and him just having this thing and then deciding, like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, take out all these people in this church because, like, at least it'll be for the cause, like you're saying. But then he sees Amanda Seyfried and changes his mind to then maybe just be self-sacrifice mm-hmm. or self Like her like her husband. Yeah. Um, to Rather than hurt her, just destroy himself. Um, and, you know the idea that like she is hope that like uh maybe in a larger theme not narratively but it could mean like you know finding a reason to keep living or finding like a thing that is just yours that isn't about the macro like Mm -hmm. issues of the world but finding that human relationship is kind of the savior like is kind of freeing yourself from how just how much despair there is in climate change mm-hmm. i think is maybe why we get that ending of him and her embracing and kissing i do think though he's dead yeah that makes more sense i like to think that he's dead too yeah so like i, was I mean kind of like what mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so that's i think to like fully go to, to like go full circle the woman was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I think she was not, I, I assume she was not expecting a movie where she would have to do some work. And that yeah. that is one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie. While it doesn't fully connect for me a hundred percent, 
I, and I, I, you know, I've always said, like, I always appreciate, like, a big swing. Even if it doesn't fully land, like, the big swing is really impressive. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, this movie is a pretty big swing in what it's trying to do. And, like, the fact that it's not spoon-feeding us and the fact that it, like, that ending is just kind of open-ended and allows you to argue one way or another, um, I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, is that all we have to say about it? I was I, I don't have anything else to say. I like I, said, I w- mostly just was curious like where this conversation would go cuz I think it's a really meaty movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. I really like it and too I, until I think I wish the ending had some more finality or some more like wrap it up. Um but, you know. No, I like when they don't. That's fine. I, I think it's, like, it does work for how kind of strange this movie is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, oh, do you want to hear what my uh, double feature options are? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's not a new category, but you can, before we get to the categories, you can tell us. Yeah. Um, one option would be you have First Reformed and the movie Calvary with Brendan Gleeson, which is also about a priest mm. having a rough week and being uh, tested in his faith. Uh, that's a McDonough, isn't it? That's a McDonough. Not Martin, but the other, the other McDonough, yeah, right? John yeah. Michael. John Michael. Um, so you could do the priest route, or you've got a father in this one. You, you know, you've got the priest who's a father, uh, and it's about ecological disaster, and it's got some strange visceral imagery. So you got the oh. father, you couple it with mother, and you get a twofer of glo- of climate change and haunting uh, oh. images. So I, oh. the original one that I had in mind was was first performed in mother, uh, and I think they couple very nicely together. Um, oh. And it's also about writing. It's also about like writing in a book. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is basically a suicide note by the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about, like, I mentioned that there are just some images from this movie that will just stay with me forever. Uh, there's some things that happen in Mother that will stay with me forever. Hell yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Gleason's... If you've seen Mother, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I mean, a few different things that you're talking about. Yeah, but there's, like, the one that I'm, like... The, the baby? Yeah, the snap. The baby, yeah. Also, the Gleasons are in that. So you got... Maybe you go... Oh. Maybe you go Mother, There's a Calvary. There's a Domino in that one. There's a Domino, and there's a... There's a, Bri- uh, a Brian. A Brian. Oh, there's a Brian, sorry. There's Brian. A Brian. Damn, like, Damn it. the right way, you <laughs> assholes. <laughs> there's a Domino Hall and a Brian. Yeah. That's right. I forgot, I always forget that Brian's in that one. And Domino Hall. never forget Domino. Domino Hall is also in Calvary. <laughs> All right, let's go on to categories. <laughs> <laughs> categories. What do we got? All right, so uh, I think there's a lot of really good choices for tattoo ideas um i think like my personal preference is just the pepto-bismol swirling in the glass of whiskey which as a tattoo would be fucking cool would be pretty dope and it's like it's just so iconic like if you've seen this movie you know exactly like you would recognize it immediately and there's a decent chance that if you're like online enough that you've probably seen that anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um that was one i also and i i took a picture of it when i was watching it last night and sent it to matt um and joel but like when he 
when Toller is like updating the like the sign, like the church's marquee, and he's just Will like God standing in us? yeah, he's just standing in front of it, and then he walks away, and it just says, "Will God forgive us?" Like that is astounding. Yeah. Uh, that I think that would also be a, like a pretty strong contender. Yeah. I think also um, just a, a pregnant Amanda Seyfried on your arm would be pretty true. <laughs> or barbed wire around your body. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely people that have barbed wire tattoos. So people would be like, oh, yeah, cool, barbed wire. And you'd be like, no, it's first reformed when <laughs> he decides not really... to put on the suicide vest. Um, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I would not. I would, I would not. <laughs> Uh, so I, I do. I think would just now watch would... this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> I think now would be a good time to mention the fact that all three of us, independently, watched this. Started watching this movie yesterday slash last <laughs> night. Fell asleep and then had to finish watching it today. You too, Tierney. <laughs> no, I just couldn't finish it. Oh, you just so couldn't I... finish. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't fall asleep, gotcha. but I did choose sleep. I had to go to sleep. That's that's <laughs> what I did. I was like, I'm going to shut it off now. I've got like 45 minutes left. I'm going to like wrap it up right now for tonight. And then I almost forgot until like right towards the end uh, of my work day. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I got to watch this movie. But good thing I've yeah. seen it already. So. Not that it's like a like not that it's the type of movie that's so boring that it'll put me to sleep, but it's just like it's so heavy. Yeah, and I started watching it way too late. <laughs> it's just like oh, it's just uh, the right amount of heavy. I mean, like it's I'm not saying that it's too heavy, but it is just it is heavy. Yeah, and I started watching it at ten thirty last night, and so like eleven thirty rolled around, and I was like, I think I need to go to bed yeah <laughs> i was like i was like fighting off falling asleep like i was like okay it's definitely time for me to just go to bed and i'll finish this when i'm in a yeah. slightly different headspace tomorrow Night but night. all of that is to say i don't think i would watch this on a plane well fine <laughs> <laughs> uh would you guys spend time on the film set no it looked fucking cold yeah it did look cold. i think they filmed it so i so joel uh listener slash friend of pod um he used to live in upstate new in oop state oop state and i texted him and i was like did you go and visit the the (laughs) did you go and visit the church from first reform when you live there and he was like no because a it's not real and b (laughs) i hadn't seen that movie when i lived there (laughs) i was like okay that's fair uh so it's set in upstate new york but I think it was filmed closer to the city. But either way, it does not look like it would be a fun place to hang no, out. No, it just looks cold. <laughs> yeah, it does look cold. I would love to Although, watch Ethan Hawke act, but yeah. Would you like well, to watch Ethan Hunt act? on the movie. That's, well, good point. <laughs> all right, place closed. Um, all right, so yeah, Oscars, I talked a little bit about this earlier. It was It was nominated for one. Did I mention what it was? No. No. Uh, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Okay. And this is the oh, writer yeah. of Taxi Driver. And so it's been compared yeah. to Taxi Driver in terms of, like, a man at the end of his rope. Um, um, are you guys ready to get really upset? Oh, no. Oh, no. Did Green Book win? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Green Book is truly the dark horse okay. in any time where you're like, something should have won. It's like, well, guess what? 
Green Book fucking won. Green Book I'm going to give you the... So, Green Book won. I'm going to give you the other four nominees. Oh. The Favorite. First what? Reformed. Oh, my God. Roma. Oh, my God. What? And Vice. <laughs> Holy <gasps> fuck. Like, <laughs> take Green Book out of those. And that is, like, a murderer's row. Like, those scripts for those four movies were all just, like chef's kiss and then Those you are fucking throw four of the yeah. best scripts of the last 10 years uh, yeah oh and then you gosh. throw green book in and like give green book the fucking ward <laughs> fucking white doing? dudes oh my oh. god i am so upset <laughs> um green book so can, I think I, we should watch green book for this pod no <laughs> Uh, no. I think Ethan Hunt should have been nominated. I yeah, think so that's... that cinematography and set design yes. should also have been nominated. And best original song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with all of those, especially so. Well, see, I mean, it was it was the year that uh, Star is Born came out. So, like, best original yeah, song. Best would original not have, song. Best original song would not have won because Shallow is Bay. But... but also Ethan Hunt sings Shallow in this movie. During that one Sunday uh, service. So, who, who was nominated for Best Actor? Best Actor that year. Rami Malek Vigo won Mortensen. for Bohemian Rhapsody. Ugh. Which, oh my god. Ugh. Go to fuck. Uh, Christian Bale for fuck. Vice. Bradley Cooper for Star is Born. Willem Dafoe from At Eternity's Gate. Which, uh, somewhat related to a conversation we Wait, were having earlier. Rami Malek beat... Yep. Yeah, Rami Malek Be, won, and it was but, wild. Uh, what's the guy, what's the, who's played Dick Cheney? Christian Bale. He yeah. like you literally just said his yeah. name. <laughs> he beat Christian Bale? And Bradley Cooper, who I thought was fantastic in A Star is Born. I never saw it, but Christian Bale, I can't uh, watch Dick Cheney now without thinking of yeah. Christian Bale. Um, Willem Dafoe was at, was in At Eternity's Gate, which is a Vincent Van Gogh movie that I sort of slept through in a uh. movie theater. <laughs> Is he also and, the Green Goblin in that movie? And does he also yes. yell, do you know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> yeah. And Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. So I feel like Rami Malek or Viggo Mortensen <sighs> probably could have gotten the boot. What and are we doing? What are we Ethan doing? Hawk should have been in their place. Um, kill us here with cinematography. Just Okay. Because uh, Roma was definitely one of the nominees. I mean, Roma won. Okay, oh, okay good. good. Okay, that's which good. is good. That's good. Uh, also nominated Cold War... Mm. Which that's I'm okay good. with. Uh, the Favorite, which I'm very okay with. Uh, Never Look Away, which is a three-hour German movie that I mostly remember because uh, Max Richter did the score and there are segments of The Leftovers in that movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and then A Star is Born. I never saw A Star is Born, but it could probably go. Yeah. Also, yeah. German movie is an American, and we buy American at the Oscars, so this should have been... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, did you want to see uh, production design? Okay, fine. Uh, so Black Panther won, which is okay, right. That's good. Uh, yeah. The favorite was nominated. First Man was nominated. Mary Poppins Ooh. Returns, eh, mm. questionable, and Weird. Roma. That's a pretty good category. It really is anything that Green Book, any category that Green Book was in, they shouldn't have been in. And I haven't seen that's the movie, true. but I don't care. We've said <laughs> it before. That's probably fair. I don't care. <laughs> um, uh, is that first reform? That's, that's first that's reform. Yeah. Bless what up. have you guys been up to lately? Uh, I can go first. Yeah, go. 
So I finished season two of Succession and started the first episode of season three of Succession and uh, had a conversation with uh, dear Matt and Colin about how it's very likely that I will not continue watching it. I enjoyed it. It just started to get a little bit repetitive. And I was talking to, uh, I think I was talking to my sister about this. So everybody loves this show. I'll keep this brief. I made a couple notes. Everybody loves this show. Uh, So I feel like I am the odd person out. So it might be an interesting opinion for our our listener. But I was underwhelmed. And Jesse Armstrong is the one who did this show. And he has done some of the best comedies of all time. He did In the Loop, Uh Thick of It, Peep Show, and Veep. Um, And... Uh, three of those are pretty much just iterations of each other, and they have some of the best insults that have ever come across television, ever. And that's Veep, Thick of It, and In the Loop. And then Peep Show is the most cringe television show <laughs> I have ever seen in my life, where you want to just <laughs> leap out of your skin and maybe like run through a window. And I just don't feel like Succession is cringy enough or playful in its insults enough to where I'm just kind of like, this is, it's been Americanized. And I was like, hmm. And so I was gonna, my note is just that if you want to laugh at insults and if you want to be horrified by cringe, to watch those shows instead. I might still keep watching Succession if I'm bored. But I'm just like, I don't feel like these insults are fun enough. But I think that's kind of the point. Like, these but kids they, are all idiots. Like, they they wouldn't have clever insults. Like, they would just keep trotting out the same hackneyed bullshit insults back and forth that they've been using their entire lives over and over and over. But to Tierney's point, uh, I've said it before about things that are uh, a commentary on the thing doing the thing. And so, like, this is a commentary on how empty these, like, rich white people are. And there is a point, I think, where you're like, yeah, if this is what you're doing, I know that this is what it is. So I don't really need to keep seeing it over and over again. And as much as I was like, oh, it would be fun to keep, you know, commenting on new episodes of Succession with Tierney. I'm going to personally on this podcast support your decision to stop watching it. I think (laughs) it also, to me, feels... That was so presidential. (laughs) uh, Right here on this podcast today, I'm going to make that decision. Uh, But I do think... There's a line in which it's like, but what are we building to? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. What do yeah. we get out of watching these people fuck each other over, over and over again? And in season three, particularly, I'm kind of like, but enough of this bullshit, enough of Shiv being like, oh, let me like try to appease dad. Or like Kendall being like, let me try to appease dad. Or Roman being like, let me try to appease dad. It's like, okay, but like, can we progress with our characterizations a little more so that we get to the point where like, they're making decisions that you don't expect because right now all we get is people doing the exact same thing that we know that they do over and over again. My guess is that, because the first season had that and my guess is that they realized they had a hit and they did what American shows do, which is like, how can we make this go on for as long as possible? Mm Mm-hmm. Guess what? Well, this was originally supposed to be a movie. And it was rewritten to be a TV movie. show. So I did <clears throat> d- I didn't really enjoy season one. And I didn't s- dislike season two. I was just underwhelmed. So there a lot of people online are saying that each season of the show 
will focus on a different child being the successor. So, like, season one was Kendall. Season two was Shiv. And now season three is Roman. Oh. And I think if you've if you've seen the most recent episode, which I know neither of you have, I think like the Roman comp for this season is at its fullest. I think you can see it in other episodes of the season, but I think hmm. so. Like, so season one, like it starts with, um, it's supposed to be Ken. Like literally, the pilot of the show is supposed to be Kendall's announcement that he's going to take over. Yeah, and then. Logan decides that he's not going to do that. And then Logan has his health issues. And so that's kind of like the through line of season one, but the all of season one is like Kendall thinking that he's going to be the one. Mm -hmm. And then season two starts with Logan kind of telling Shiv that she's going to be the one. And then Shiv puts her foot in her mouth at the deeply uncomfortable dinner table scene which tyranny was like tyranny was i've seen worse "Eh." that's because i've seen peep show i'm not fucking with you guys it's like i haven't seen it in years but it was like oh my god um but anyway and then so like this season shiv is just like still thinking that she's the one and she's so clearly not the one and roman is making moves in a way that he hasn't really in the past. So I, I do generally agree with you that, like, the show is cyclical. Um, and I, I, I get that. And I'm not saying that you're wrong because it's, it's definitely true. Mm-hmm. I still find enjoyment out of it. But I also, like, I get that if, if you were... If you were wanting a little bit more forward momentum with to borrow a phrase from everybody's favorite internet boyfriend, Demi at a Juive. If you were wanting to get some forward movement on who's going to get the kiss from daddy, <laughs> we're not really getting that. We're not really getting any closer to that, which I think is, I, I mean, personally, I think is kind of interesting because it's like the daddy's probably never going to give any of his kids the kiss and they uh-huh. just are going right. to keep fighting for it forever. And I think I enjoy watching these kids be fucking idiots. Um, I, 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 I I get amusement out of that. I just can't wait for season four to be Connor's season. <laughs> Connor's... Fuck, God. Well, I'm going to spoil this for you because uh, it's been a few days and you haven't watched it and that's on you and Tierney wow. may or may not ever watch Whoa. it. But uh, as of this most recent episode, which was uh, episode seven, Connor is polling at almost 1%. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's such an idiot. It's... <laughs> The way it's set up in the episode is so funny. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. <clears throat> that was just the one thing. And then I've watched uh, some more Sam Holmes sailing uh, mm-hmm. on on the YouTube. That's it. Bless up. Um, do you want to go, Colin? Sure. Uh, I haven't done too much because my parents were in town for Thanksgiving, so I was hanging out with them. Uh, we did watch the first episode of Hawkeye, which was, like, pretty fun. And I checked out all of the, the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run fun. in graphic novel format from the library. I have not started reading it yet, but it's just sitting on my desk. Um, so maybe I will at some point. Um, and then I watched a bunch of Christmas movies on Thanksgiving because, you know, that's what I do. Uh-huh. Um, 
We also uh, watch Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Have you guys seen that one recently? Yeah. Yeah, in the no. last decade. I, it's one I that I, like... I have seen it since I was a kid. It's definitely, like, lesser John Hughes, but it has some moments that I think are really solid. Um, but I always forget that it's a Thanksgiving movie. It sure is, and I forget yeah. that too. In my brain, I just associate it with Christmas, because I just, I know he's trying to get back for a holiday. And it's snowy. So, like, in my brain, I just think, yeah, and, like, it's winter, so I associate it with a Christmas movie. Um, As if the Midwest winter isn't half the year. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's It's a Halloween movie. It's a Halloween movie. He's going back for Halloween. It's it's October. Could also be April Fools. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When it Um, snows. Yeah. And so the one thing I do want to shout out is my parents and I. We did go see Father, Son, and House of Gucci. Oh yeah. How is it? Parts of that movie are so much fun, and the other parts of that movie are not nearly as much fun as they should be. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's kind of a mess. It's such a mess. I think, like, the, like, I think if everybody was in the movie that Lady Gaga and Jared Leto are in, it would be one of the most, like, I don't necessarily think it would be a good movie, but it would be one of the most fun movies of the year. But, like, nobody else is in that movie, and Ridley Scott isn't really that kind of director. <laughs> so, like, so yeah, a lot of a lot of the movie just is kind of a bummer mm. because it's like, man, there's so much promise here, and like the parts where it is campy are a lot of fun, and honestly, like the <clears throat> the the beginning of the Adam Driver Lady Gaga relationship is like really sweet and really charming and has like one of the weirdest funniest sex scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> uh and then it stops being fun and funny and just kind of starts being a little too serious, but it's like you've still got Lady Gaga and Jared Leto doing these outrageous accents. <laughs> like this whole movie should have been as silly as as what they were doing. I like I still think it's worth people checking out. Um cuz there are some moments that are pretty fun. <clears throat> but it, on the whole, it was not as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Damn. And, like, I've been so looking forward to this movie ever since the trailer dropped. And it ended with Lady Gaga, with Jared Leto in, like, full prosthetic makeup that I truly did not believe was Jared Leto until I was watching the movie. I, like, the pictures don't look like Jared Leto. The trailer, the way it's edited, like, you don't really see that it's Jared Leto. Don't when let you're him watching... hear you say that. You go right to his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you're watching the movie, you can tell that it's Jared Leto, and it's really weird. Um, like, in an Uncanny Valley kind of way. But, Why are we still putting uh, it in things is honestly my question. Uh, We're going to have to watch him next week. Yeah, well, that's on you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, when the trailer ends with him saying, can you keep a secret, and Lady Gaga it just chewing every ounce of scenery that has ever existed and just saying father son and house of gucci (laughs) in response to can you keep a secret i was like oh fuck yeah this movie's gonna rule and it doesn't quite rule so that's a little bit of a bummer but i would still say especially matt you've got your amc thing doesn't cost you anything just costs you some time it's worth your time (sighs) okay (laughs) i'll see watch it when it's whenever it's on whatever streaming platform you have access to (laughs) on it um, I also feel like I didn't watch a lot, uh, this past week. 
you know, all the Sunday HBO shows, whatever. You know, those are easy. Did I watch anything new? But you you didn't watch one of the Sunday HBO shows. He meant from oh, last week. Cut him some slack. I mean... <laughs> what? What? We haven't recorded for two weeks. We recorded Collateral last week. Oh. It's a long <laughs> holiday. Yeah, weekend. it really was. It, I agree with that. 100% I agree with that. Um, I, am, I like, really hilarious. am trying to think, like, did I watch anything? I started watching the movie Factory Girl with Sienna Miller uh, mm. and Guy Pierce as uh, Andy Warhol. And oh, yeah. my uh, beloved Hayden Christensen as, oh, boy. Uh, as Bob, Bob Dylan. And so far the movie is... Not good? It just, it's not bad. It's just kind of like, it doesn't feel like a movie. It's like an assembly of scenes of like Andy Warhol on the phone with Edie Sedgwick being like, you're wonderful. And her being like, living life in New York is wonderful. And then just like edits, like a super cut of like publicity. It's just like kind of a strange movie uh, so far, but I didn't finish it and uh, I will see how it goes. Why didn't you finish it? Because uh, I was watching it literally immediately before we started recording this podcast, so oh. <laughs> could not finish it. Um, but oh man, I really—I don't think I have watched uh, very much this last week. I think yeah, the holidays definitely throw a wrench in the gear of like, you know, what uh, I'm able to do. But so I guess what time is? Yeah, so I guess you know, since I don't have much else to say, I'm finished.